Thank you so much, Tiffany. I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to just jump right in this morning. I know that there are times when the older you get, the more we begin to dramatize and glorify and exaggerate the past. For example, when you watch, how many of you have seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Anybody ever seen that movie? Okay. Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. That is some of you right here where you're like, the more you think about your athletic potential when you were 16, you're like, if the coach would have put me in, we would have won the championship. Like when you think of the past, you know, it just gets better and better. Well, we're going to be looking here at Hebrews chapter 11. And maybe we think that when the church started and we read through the book of Acts that everything was just going perfectly fine, that everything was great. Yes, we do have Acts 2, 40, uh, 42 through 47, that gives us the gold standard of what the church can look like, where they're living together in unity, they're worshiping together. There's not a single person that has a need because there's no tight ones in the church. Everybody's living generously and they're taking care of one another. But if you know the rest of church history, man, persecution breaks out. The church begins to spread. In fact, a lot of the persecution is coming uh, from, man, family. It's not the Romans. It's, it's even within Judaism because they're saying, no, we, we've got this new thing that's going on. Jesus Christ is the Messiah that has been promised. And, and so anyway, long story short, like, like the first people that begin to spread are the Greek-speaking Jews. And they'd already had some issues in the church if you read in Acts 6. And, and so persecution breaks out against them, beginning with the stoning of, of a guy by the name of Stephen. You can read this in Acts. And so they begin to leave. And so there's a group of Christians, though. They're still going to the temple. They're still going through the sacrifices and all of that sort of thing. But the, the difference is they believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They, they do believe in, 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 in the fact that, that it's his sacrifice that really matters, but they're still going through all of these things. And, and so when we get to this book of Hebrews, the first 10 chapters, you've got to know that by the time this is written, the church is not uh, really, this, the church has started to go underground because persecution has broken out and they're getting to the place where they're just wondering, is it worth it? Is, is really this whole thing that we're believing, man, is, does it really matter? And, and, and what you can pick up from, from the way the Hebrews writer, who we don't know for sure who it is because he doesn't tell us, um, but, but we, we just pick up that, that perhaps there are those that are thinking about giving up. And, and so there are all kinds of warnings, but there's also many challenges in which the Hebrews writer and these, these chapters are saying, don't quit, don't give up. And what he does is he summarizes things. And, and if I could just summarize uh, the, the 10 chapters by putting this, he's just saying, there's a new covenant that's been made with you and it's better. It's through Christ and it's, it's better. And, and that mattered because they'd had this covenant through, their, through Abraham. And, and so the reason why the Jews are like, no, this, this really matters is because they believe they were God's chosen people and they were. God had made a covenant with Abraham. And that's why, like, if you read through, through scripture and you see all these genealogies and like this person begat this person, you're like, that is the weirdest thing to have in scripture. Well, it's because it mattered. That's how they, they tracked, they knew for sure. They had this assurance. They were born into this right standing with God. 
So that's what they held on to. And, and, and so, but there's this new covenant through Christ and, and the Hebrews writer is saying, no, this is better. And he's making this case that, that Christ is better than anything connected with the old covenant. He's better than the angels, the prophets, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, better than anything and everything. But, but, but the big struggle here is like for, for, and it makes perfect sense for people that are used to go, doing a lot of things and you have all these rituals and these ceremonies and these feast festivals festivals and, and all of this sort of thing, this new covenant, it doesn't have all of those things. So how, I, I feel like I'm not doing enough. What's my part to play? And, and at the end of chapter 10, the Hebrews writer introduces by quoting the, the prophet Habakkuk, he says, no, this is the, you know, the righteous shall live by faith. And he introduces this, this whole concept that this is, this is faith, this is our part. And then he goes on to describe what this faith is. And here's what we see in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And what we're going to see is uh, throughout the rest of, of, of Hebrews 11, we're going to see this phrase show up time and time again. By faith, people did this. By faith, this person did that. And what he does is he said, I want to I take you back that this is nothing new. That all along, God has been honoring the faith of his people. When they believe, when they step out, God moves. And, and, and then in Hebrews chapter, uh, in, in, in chapter 11, verse 6, we read this. I spoke about this last week. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so if it's impossible to please God without faith, then the other has to be true. It is possible to please him, not by all these works, but by faith, living by faith. And so what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks here is we're going to be hearing stories of God's faithfulness. We're going to be hearing testimonies of, of people who have, who have actually in this day and age in 2022, because I believe that what we're reading here is just as true in 2022 as it was when it was written. We're going to be hearing stories of God's faithfulness, what he does. We have a few by faith stories right here as well. But today I want us to understand at the very beginning of the series, this whole context of faith. You know, what, what does it mean to live by faith? What, what does faith look like? And, and what, what the Hebrews writer does here is he doesn't define faith, but he describes it. And there's two aspects to us. And, they, and, and it kind of sounds alike. There's, there's the assurance of what things we hope for, but then there's the conviction of things unseen. And so they, they sound very similar, but there's a little bit of difference. So for instance, assurance of, of things hoped for. Remember when you were a kid and uh, like you saw Christmas presents under the tree and as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, that's good. And you went down and if you're like my kids, you scanned to see which ones had your name because there's a whole fairness thing. Like, oh, they have more presents to me. But anyway, you look down, you look at all the different tags and when you saw you had some presents with your name, you could not wait to see what's there. Now, you knew it was coming because the present was there, had your name on it, but you didn't know what it was. But, but you knew Chris was coming and you were excited. Anybody remember that? By the way, a little aside here. How many of you started playing Christmas music when you saw the snow this week? Let me just see your hand. <laughs> I knew we had some of you guys here today. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. We know who you are, this is good. Yeah, like, what's up with that snow, man? That's just crazy. 
Okay, so let me, let me use another example of assurance of things hoped for. Like when you find out, it's a, if you can remember, some of you have to go back a ways, but you remember when you were pregnant with your first child, remember how, man, you were excited and, and here's, here's the deal, you started to, to you know, work on the room and all that sort of thing, you could not wait. And, and, and here's the thing, that, that, that assurance of things hoped for, there was this assurance, because you, know, you see a present, you know it's coming, you see a little bump there, you know that's coming, and, but, but you're, you're excited and all of that. Now there's the conviction of, of things unseen, and this is where, man, it's, it takes it a, a step further, where you are convinced of something, even though there's nothing, there's nothing really that you see with your eyes, that you hear with your ears, that you know, that, that makes it seem as if that's really gonna happen. Maybe it's, maybe it's a promise from scripture. It might be what we shared last week where Pastor Jason and I were over in Kenya and I still remember we're standing in an open field. There's nothing there. And as we pray, God says, I want grace to start a school here. For three, I didn't, I didn't get to see that until just a few weeks ago, but I was convinced of it. You, you have been there. There are those of you, you know God's gonna move. You don't know what's gonna look like. You don't know when it's gonna happen. You're convinced, convinced of it. This is what he's describing. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things unseen. Now, what I'm gonna do this morning is I'm gonna offer a definition of faith, okay? And so you can write this down and um, all you theologians can come back and show me, tell me why you disagree with this, but it's gonna be, I can't, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but this is, this is great. No, in, in all seriousness, this to me, if it, you know, if, if faith, we have it described this way, here's what faith is, just a, just a base faith as we, as we understand, as we look at what the Old Testament teaches us, what the New Testament teaches us. Faith is complete confidence in God's foresight, goodness, ability, and care for me personally. Faith is complete confidence in God's foresight. He can see what we can't see on down the road. He's already in tomorrow. His goodness, his ability, and care for me personally. Now, now remember, Hebrews is written to Jewish believers in Jerusalem that honestly are getting their butts kicked. They, they need to hear this. They're, they're wondering, okay, is this thing real? They're being persecuted, even killed. They're wondering, does God really care? And so what the Hebrews writer is, is gonna do He's gonna take them back. He's gonna share testimony after testimony, story after story of people that have had faith in God and how God showed up and what God did. And the point is gonna be this. If he's done it before, if he did it for them, he can do it again and he can do it for you. And I want us to understand this today because this is something that God has been challenging me in. Church, I don't know how else to, 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 to see this, to, to say this, because I know that we're not facing extreme persecution. I doubt that there's anybody right here that is uh, under the sound of my voice that this week is, has, you've had a threat made against your life and you're going underground because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Like we don't have to hide what we teach here. If people want to convict us, we're, we're right now, we're, we're streaming on, uh, on, on YouTube, on Facebook, on all, our website. I mean, they can find out what we believe. So, so how, how then, you know, do, do I share this message that's written to persecuted people with people that aren't being persecuted? Because you know what our, sometimes our biggest struggle is? We're, we pretty much have what we need. We've got money in the bank, 
Honestly, if you're hungry, we, we have so many food banks here in the city. There are solutions to problems. And so how do we talk about faith when honestly, we don't have to exercise it that often? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people here in crises that, that you're going through seasons and all that. I'm just saying that by and large, sometimes that's a struggle for us. Well, I, I, I don't know that I'm gonna fully answer that question other than to say this. I, am growing, I have been growing in recent weeks increasingly convinced of the fact that God is taking us to a new season. And, and, and like, if you're new here to Grace, first of all, man, it's so good that you're here, but this is gonna be a very pastoral message this morning. This is, this is for those of you that call Grace home. I believe that God is going to take us through a time of testing. He's also, though, going to take us to a place of trusting like we've never been before. And I just have a feeling that there is something on the other side of this, where we are today, that right now we can't even envision. And so because of that, all we can do is prepare by what God's already given us. And that's what I want us to do. I just want to lay a foundation for this. Because we know that faith is authored by God. In fact, if you go over to the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, what we're going to see is that it's Jesus who authors our salvation. And one day he's going to finish our salvation. But he does this by, the, the, there's, there's almost a, a process to this faith, if you will. And I just want to share this. The, the, the first thing I want us to understand as we look at faith is that faith begins with understanding. It begins with understanding. So what I mean by that is that, that faith, th there's no such thing as blind faith. Faith is actually very rational. Faith should require you to ask questions. If you're here and you're a high school student or college student or whatever, and you've had people say, don't ask questions, just believe. Man, just slap the person. No, don't, don't slap them. <laughs> no, but but what, what I'm saying though, that faith like a, a faith that's not able to be poked and pushed and that sort of thing, honestly, you're not gonna, you're not gonna believe in that faith. Like early, earlier this week, um, David Lozano, if you, if you know Dave, he leads uh, Celebrate Recovery, he's a big dude. And uh, I said, hey, you know what, Dave? I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like illustrate this. I want you to come out and I'm gonna do like a, a blind fall off the platform. I want you to catch me. And then this, I, this morning I thought about that. Like, I don't have faith in David. I'm just telling you right now, I don't have faith in him. So I'm not doing it. <laughs> But no, here's the thing. Um, faith, faith requires that you know something about what it is or who it is that you're putting faith in. And so, so the first thing I want to say this, faith in God requires right belief about God. And the reason why this is important is because th there's this thing, and, and like this is not a word that probably most of you have even used this week, and so I get this. There's this word called syncretism. Syncretism. And what syncretism is, is, is it, it describes what takes place when we take, when we take some things from, from the word of God, but then we also take things from other religion. We throw in a little conventional wisdom, some old wives' tale, and some pragmatism, and we come up with this belief system that, that is just pulling from all these different areas. It's what happens in Haiti and other places where you just have this mix. It's not, it's not really Christianity. It's, not, it's, not, it's, just, it's like this collection of things. And I think it's very easy for us to, to just come up with this, this view. And, and it's almost like either maybe God's a genie 
that he just gives you whatever you want with no questions. He is there waiting for you to ask him for, he's like an ATM machine, put in your card and put punch in the buttons. Or perhaps maybe it's, you think of God as a God who is distant, a God who's, who's far away. Uh, maybe he got this thing running, but, but you're just not sure that he exists. No, no, no. What, what, what verse six says, there are two aspects to this. First of all, you gotta believe that God exists and then you have to believe enough about him and his promises to know that he rewards those who seek him. During 2020, I, <laughs> dude, I think I quarantined like eight weeks and, uh, Dude, that's a lot of being stuck at home. And for a person like me, I'm losing my mind. Like I, it's crazy. So I was just reading a lot. And, and one of the books I read was, was an awesome book. It's not, it's not a Christian book, not by a Christian author, at least to my knowledge, but it's called When Breath Becomes Air. And it's about a, uh, just an incredible, one of the rising stars uh, in, when it came to, to a brain surgeon, graduated topless class from Stanford. Uh, man, he was headed to great things. And he, and he talks about his journey when he found out that he is a young brain surgeon, had brain cancer. Answer. And it's just an incredible, raw book. But it's funny because he describes himself earlier as a person that, that really had very little faith, if any faith at all. If, you know, if he wasn't an atheist, he was you know, like an agnostic. But as he is battling through this, he, he, he said, you know, he, he believes science. And by the way, real quick, for those of you that think science and, and belief in, in scripture are incompatible, that is ridiculous. Like, like, actually, all truth is God's truth, which is what I love. And so it all sinks, sinks together. And just like science, you know, proposes theories to explain reality, man, what, what I love is that God's like, yep, yep, I knew that all along. But what he said, he said, I, my God was science, logic, reason. But he said, as I got brain cancer, and as I started going through this, he said, I found out that there were, I began to ask questions that there were no answers for. He said, for instance, science couldn't explain joy to me. Science could not explain peace. And he said, the more I began to look at the intangibles that are, that are actually very real things, but I couldn't understand where logically and rationally, how they came from this. He said, I found myself in a chapel with my family, praying to a God that at first I didn't believe in. He said, I got to the place I had to acknowledge that there is a God. Now, I don't know the rest of the story. I know that he died, his wife finished the, the book. I, I don't know anything, but if nothing else, he got to the first part, which is, and this is where faith starts, to believe that, that God exists. But then you take it a step further where you, you believe that, that he wants to reward those who seek him. Now, if, like if you've gone here for any time at all, you know, I'm, I'm always talking about the word of God. I come back to the word, the word, the word. And, and the reason why I do this is not because I'm like, read this so God will like you more. No. No, like that has nothing to do with that. It doesn't. Like, like I, I, man, we should read because we love God. You, you know what I'm saying? But, but the point is, like, I don't get to know someone unless I, I have interaction with them. And I mean, if this is the word of God, I need to get to know him. I, I can't step out in faith if I don't know who I believe in. And, and, and so, 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 so to me, this, is, this, this whole thing, faith begins at the most basic level 
at understanding what, what Paul says later in, in Romans 10, 17. He says the faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes uh, through the word of Christ. We, we have to begin to know who he is, what he's about. And, and then we, we look at also others that have interacted, have stepped out in faith. I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm gonna buy something big, I go online and I read reviews. I wanna know other people's interaction. What, what did you find out? How did it go? How did, what, you know, what kind of product is this? This is why te testimonies matter. This is why we're gonna be sharing stories. Because I'm convinced, here's the thing, if faith is a rational thing, if, if once I understand who God is, if it's a rational thing, I, I believe it's rational, then, then can I say something? And this is gonna sound a little harsh and judgmental, so hang with me, because I've struggled in this area myself. If that's the case, then, then prayerlessness is one of the most irrational things that we can do as Christians. And what I mean by that is, is for, for me to believe that God is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or think, and then for me to never ask is to say, I don't really believe that. For, for, for me to believe that, that I can be saved, that I can believe on Christ, but, but for me to keep on trying to earn my way is for me to say, I don't believe that. If, if faith is rational, which it has to be, there's no such thing as blind faith. There, there are a lot of things we don't know, but it's grounded in, in rational thought and logic. Then, then, then prayerlessness is just, it's very irrational. It's me saying, yeah, Jesus is Lord, but I actually think I'm better qualified to meet the challenges of this. That's why the, Daniel Henderson says, prayerlessness is a declaration of my independence from God. I, I got this, God. But what we're gonna hear, these testimonies, man, they all prove that, that God is able, that, that, that he's able. If we ask, he, he does respond, he works, he moves. He wants his people to pray. But, but, it, but it begins first with this, this understanding, but it doesn't stop there. Faith inevitably moves to conviction. Faith inevitably moves to conviction. And conviction is where, where faith becomes personal. This is where we, we have this personal encounter with God. And, and, and so my, my question to you is, is this, have you, have you had a personal encounter with God or is it just like, I believe God exists, so we're good? No, no there's, there's, a, there's another step. This is where, this is where faith becomes personal. It's, it's where God leads us to a place because faith is very uncomfortable and it, and, and it leads us to a place of asking uncomfortable questions. And at some point, if, if what we believe about God is true, it's going to, first of all, when it comes to saving faith, we're, either gonna, we're gonna come to an either or place where either Jesus is Savior and Lord, he's able to save me and I'm gonna respond and I'm gonna answer his call to salvation or I'm, not, I'm gonna choose not to believe. For the, for the son and daughter of God that, that has already moved past that point, there are gonna be times or seasons where God is calling you to something. He's calling you to let go of something. He's calling you to give something. He's calling you to enter into a new season. He's calling you to do something. And at some point, he's gonna bring you to an either or proposition. Either you step out in faith, either you're convinced this is me, or you walk away. Guys, man, when I came here to Grace as pastor in 2011, I did not wanna come here as pastor. And it had nothing to do with, with just comes to the church. I didn't want to go to any church as a lead pastor because I knew I didn't have what it took. I didn't have any of the qualifications that you're supposed to have. 
I didn't have a Bible college degree in Bible. I didn't have a seminary degree in all this. I was a musician. I was finishing up my MBA. I was headed towards the business route. I, I was, like, I gave God every reason. Not only that, I gave, like, the church every reason to not bring me on as pastor. But there came a point that I got to this place where I was so convinced this was what God was calling me to. It was an either-or proposition. Either you step out in faith, or you're actually going to reject what I'm calling you, and you're going to do your own thing. And guys, that was uncomfortable. Because I, I didn't know that God can actually use unqualified people. I shouldn't say that. I knew that like intellectually, but subjectively, I'd always operated when it came to my strengths. And God was saying, no, I'm going to call you to a place where you're going to be really uncomfortable. But can I tell you that God does this because God gets the glory when he uses the unqualified. God gets the glory when he begins to transform situations. When you take a step of faith that the only thing that makes sense is that you believe in God. That's the rational part. And you believe that God's calling. And you have this personal encounter with God and you take that step. Some of you, listen, I'm convinced of this. The reason why God has called me to this this morning is some of you, you are here. You're at an either or place. It might be for faith to believe that Christ can forgive you for sins, that, that he cares and he wants to do that. Maybe it's the either or proposition. He's calling you to take a next step. At some point, faith moves past understanding this general belief to conviction where I am convinced this is what God is calling me to do and I have this personal encounter with God. When my kids left to go to college, uh, both of them their freshman year, before they left in the weeks leading up, we sat down and we had a conversation. And that conversation, it was a similar conversation with both of them. And I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that Trey and Cass are living for the Lord. They, they have a profession of faith and, and their life bears fruit of that. I'm thankful for that. But when I sat down with them, I said, hey, listen, here at home, you've actually, it's been kind of easy in the sense you've lived in a household of faith. There's an umbrella of faith that you've been under. But guys, as you go to college, you're not in my home anymore. Make it yours. That faith, it has to be personal. It can't, can't be mom and dad's faith. Make it yours. There's nothing more that I want for my kids than for them to have that personal faith. They have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ where they're not just listening to me tell the stories of what God's doing in our life. They're taking the steps. Guys, can I tell you, that's what I want for our church. Faith begins with understanding. It inevitably leads to conviction but faith truly becomes faith when faith always results in action. This is why James wrote in chapter two, faith without works is dead. What good is it, he asked, if you say that you have faith and you have no works? That makes absolutely no sense. That's, that's illogical. And, and by the way, that does not mean that we're saved by our works. That, that's, no, he's just saying that that. Man, those of us who say we believe, we will live differently because faith is only faith when we live it. You can say, but guys, we can talk all day. I have faith. And if we don't live it, we don't have faith. We, we have general belief, maybe general agreement. But there comes a point when, when, when God says, I want you to take a step. Faith always results in action. Remember, faith is our confidence our complete confidence, God's foresight, his ability, his goodness, and his care for me personally.
I was kind of humbled this week. I'm not going to share the organization because we're streaming our services, but um, we work with, I have the privilege of being friends with, and, and uh, we work with partners uh, in countries where people are being persecuted for their, their faith, the underground church. And uh, a good friend of mine who's doing an incredible work in one of these countries reached out. There are 75 pastors who are being who were being ordained. It was uh, Sunday for them uh, before it was Sunday for us. And he asked if I could share a challenge and and pray over these seventy five pastors by Zoom. That was humbling because here's the deal. I'm praying this prayer. I came over here in the evening, and I'm praying that prayer in this beautiful sanctuary. I'm praying this prayer, and, and honestly, God has been so good to us in so many different ways from a material, when it comes to material things. But I know that I'm praying this prayer over 75 guys who are called, and they know that their calling means that they're going to a place where they're either going to be, they're gonna suffer financial reparations because they believe, because they share the gospel in this particular country, if there is a convert from, from another religion to, to Christianity, you will immediately be arrested, no questions asked. You are arrested, and they have recently begun to kill the pastors. I know that these 75 pastors I'm praying over, literally, they're, they're going believing that God is able, believing that God is good, believing that God can protect them, and believing that even if, even if they're arrested, even if they are killed, that God is going to take their lives and it's going to be a testimony for the gospel. Can I tell you, man, I, like, how do you pray for those guys? I want those guys to pray for me. But I prayed and, 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 and challenged them. I just, I took them back to the word of God. But again, I was thinking, what does that look like for us here? What, is it, what does it look like to live by faith? I don't think that we have to be under the threat of persecution to live by faith. In fact, I actually think it's possible for us in this day and age, even here in America, to see revival if God's people will begin living by faith. I believe it's time for, for us to stop playing games and stop saying we believe something that we don't act on. There comes a time and place where, and, and I believe we're at this season where we, we can whine and complain about who's in the White House, but I'm more convinced about what's taking place with the people that come to God's house. How are we living? How are we stepping out? What is, what is God doing? What is he, are, are we living by faith? And I heard a, a story about a young girl this week, and, and I don't know what service she's in, so I'm not going to use her name in this service. But she's a high school stu student that attends Grace Bible Church. And this is just a small example, but I think it gives us a picture of what it looks like. She's been a drama, drama student for several years. Uh, for, for quite some time. She's been very excited about being able to be part of uh, a performance. And she's really been working, hoping that at some point she'll get uh, a, main, a main role. And man, she was, her hard work was paid off. And just recently, she was given the main role in an upcoming uh, drama. But when she looked at the lines, her character, even though it's just a character, her character was going to have to say things 
and glorify evil and sin to a place that she said, I, I don't feel like I can do this. And it's crushed her because she had prayed, God, man, I'd love to have this opportunity. So she went to her parents and said, I, I don't know what to do. I really want, I really want this. And I'm afraid that, but if I'm, I'm afraid if I, if I say what I need to say that I'm never going to get the opportunity again. And what do you think I ought to do? And, and she has great parents and they said, we're, we're not going to tell you. We want you to pray. And she prayed. She came this week to, to her parents and said, man, I can't do this. And so she went to, she went to school scared that this was, this was it. And she shared why she couldn't do it. And she shared, she shared this is why. She shared her testimony, shared why she believed about God. And man, she blew up her dad's phone afterwards because he's the one that showed me the text. She said, you'll never believe it. He's, he's still gonna let me be in drama. Like, okay. But, but he said, I just want you to know how impressed I am that you're a person that lives by your convictions. And I thought, you know, that's a, that's a, that might for us seem like a small thing. Now that's, that's actually what it means to do a big thing. Because we, we find reasons why we don't have to act on this. We find like, uh, it's not that big of a deal or this isn't what God means. But what if it was? So some of you uh, that, are, that are here uh, might remember something that took place in 2019. And I, I just gotta, I've gotta share this and, and I'm sharing this testimony not to make myself the, the center of the story because it's not, it's not about me. But there, God allowed me to be part of something. Anybody remember when uh, our executive pastor, Brian Taylor, had come and, and told us that they'd found a mass and they didn't know what was going on? Anybody, anybody remember that? Okay. So for, if those of you that maybe are, have been coming here since 2019, Brian Taylor, uh, God had called him to plant a church in CUNA. He'd been on staff here for about nine years, 10, no, actually more than 10 years at the time. And as he's preparing to, to plant this church, um, and he'd been having some physical issues, Go, goes in and they found a, a mass. And they said, we're, we're going to have to take, take this out. We're going to do the biopsy uh, to find out if it's cancer. And then we, regardless, we have to get rid of this. And you just have to know that this, you're going to have problems the rest of your life because of this. And and he was devastated, and, and I know his family was, was praying. We were praying with him. And he was supposed to go in on a, on, on a Friday to look at getting this removed. And I'd been praying on, and on, on, before I did my sermon prep on the Thursday before. Well, actually, we'd brought him up on, on that Sunday and prayed for him as a church. And I remember, man, we all, man, as many of us could get around, we just laid hands on Brian and just we anointed him and prayed for God to do a miracle. And, and that, that Thursday, I was praying. I was praying for Brian. Man, I was, I was on my face. And I was like, God, man, you, you got to heal. And I'm, I'm, and I'm just asking God to do a miracle. And, and, and like, I felt God saying, get up. I'm going to do it. And, but I was like, no, I just made that up in my mind. Like, I'm thinking that that's God. And so I just keep praying. And so I keep praying. And again, God said, I want you to give, get up. I've already done it. And I'm a hard-headed person that I say that I live by faith, but I'm like, no, I think I'm just playing games. And again, as clearly as I'm hearing my voice come out of my mouth right now, I heard God say, I want you to get up. Your prayer has been answered. And so I got up. But then I did something that 
I want to challenge us to think about doing because I haven't always done this and I'm glad that I did it. But the next morning before Brian went in, I actually asked Tony and Abby to go out for breakfast. And I said, man, I got to tell you guys something. I feel like I got to say what God's going to do before he does it. And I told, I told him the story and I said, I just, I felt like I had to let my know. I don't want to call Brian or Jamie because they're going into this. I mean, I just wanted to, to tell you guys. I said, I think God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but God, he's not going to have to have surgery and God's going God's to heal him. I went home and I'll never forget when Jamie called me, she was crying and laughing at the same time. And she said, Keith, they cannot figure out what happened. There is absolutely no sign of anything there. They, they are looking at both pictures and it makes no sense other than God healed him. And I remember we brought him up on that next slide. That's, that's right, it was God, it was God. I remember we brought, we brought Brian, Brian was actually wrestling with making a big deal about this because he, he's like, man, he said, I don't want people to think that I was healed because I was a pastor or something like that. And I'm like, you weren't. Like it, you're, it had nothing to do with you being a pastor. Because we pray for miracles for other people and for some reason God doesn't heal. And I can't, honestly, I, I don't know. Like, and, and it makes no sense. Like, like if you think about Jesus when he healed the lame man by the pool of Bethesda, it says that there were a bunch of people that had come to the pool that day to be healed and he just healed one guy. I, all I know is that when God heals, it's never about just that a guy can have more comfort. He doesn't just give you more money and pay your bills or save your kids so that you feel good about yourself and you sleep better at night or, or you don't have to worry, have that bill hanging. That's, that's, we, we, we miss the blessing. We miss what God's doing when we stop short there. God does what he does and God, God responds to faith and rewards those who seek him. When he gets the glory and he gets the praise, and I shouldn't say when, he does things even when sometimes we miss it and we fail to do it, but, but he does things when he just shows off who he is, his goodness, his ability, his, 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 his care for us personally. And, and this, this week I did a reset with several other guys and few, some of you have been on those resets and you know how powerful they are. We just... The women will, will do it several times. I think they said this is the 30, 41st or 42nd reset where you go up to the mountain, you just get away with God and you pray and you see God's face. And, and it's a lot of time of just, just hearing from God. I'm not gonna tell you what all they do because you need to go experience for yourself. But again, God challenged me this week. He said, man, are you gonna settle for being a pastor that just enjoys the blessings of ministry? Are you gonna walk by faith and I believe what he's asking of me is what he's asking of you you know it's funny oh man I, I'm going long today you guys got to deal with this like when we leave like get out of the parking lot quick help our tenants out um, that, that whole thing of last week man what God did it just I was, just, I was right I couldn't believe what God did to raise the money for Kenya like that was not I promise you, I did not make a single phone call asking people to give. It was just like this crazy thing where God showed up. And, but it was funny on that week, because I've been hesitant, like, man, I don't know what to do. Because we've been praying since 2019. 
God, we got to do something here at Grace. I mean, like some of you, like if you get in late, you know you're going to be sitting up here in the front. Like you got us, just what happens. And um, man, we've been, we can't find land, but we feel like God's called us right here to this side of town. And it was so funny on the week that we were celebrating all the generosity of God's people. Tony comes up to me and goes, dude, I just had a realtor call us and they just had land on the corner of Midway and Lone Star that just came on the market. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, hey, hey, clap. That's, that's, hey, that's good. That's good. And I need like 10,000 from every one of you to clap. Not Jesus, not Jesus. <laughs> um, but um, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Because, man, we literally, we, hadn't been, we haven't been able to find anything like in this area. And so uh, <laughs> I drove by there and I started praying for God to do a miracle. In fact, Wallace and Mary, they were at our house for lunch and, and we got done eating. I said, hey, listen, I said, I've prayed for land in Kenya two times. I said, it's your turn. <laughs> so I took Wallace and Mary and we, I got Tony and Abby and Lori and I, we climbed a ditch. It's right, it's catty corner, catty corner to the uh, Midway Park there. Uh, and we, we walked in the field and we joined hands and we just prayed for God to do a miracle. Here's the deal. I, we're not even at a place where I'm raising money or anything for that. It's not my point of telling you this. It was this point that God's been saying, are you going to step out in faith? Are you going to believe and pray? And Are you just going to only do what you can see? And I think that's what he's asking many of you here this morning. By the way, you feel free at any time to drive by Midway and Lone Star and you pray for that land. I'm praying, I'm praying. But I think what I want to do as I close this service is do something a little bit different. I'm going to pray. But I want people, and I, I know, and I'm, I'm just going to let, like, after I'm done praying, like, you be dismissed. But people just want to stay here and pray, you do that. But today, if, if you're here and God is calling you to, to an either-or proposition, maybe it's to believe in Christ for salvation. I want you to come forward. Maybe he's calling you to a new season. He's calling you to ministry. Or he's calling you to take a step, to give, to, to, to refrain from something, to let go, to trust him with something. I, I don't know what it is. But if he's called you to a place of faith, I don't want us to stop short of understanding. I don't want us to stop short of conviction. I want us to act. And I want us to speak. And I want us to believe that we serve a God who's able to do abundantly more that we can ask our thing. So I'm gonna ask if you would to stand. And guys, here's what I'm gonna do. As, as I'm praying, we'll, like if you've come forward to, to pray for salvation, we've got, we're gonna have people that are around, they have red lanyards, we would love to pray for you. But then for, for everybody else that comes forward during this time, I just want you to share. And before you leave, just share with me, share with somebody. What is your praying about? You will need, I'm not gonna cancel and I'll need to have the full story, but you need to go on, on record. And let's trust that God is able. And so if, you, if God's calling you to step out in faith, I want you to come forward as, as I pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing here today. Dear God, I wanna thank you for how you've spoken and for what you're doing. God, I wanna thank you for every single person that is walking forward. You know what's there. Dear God, there are people that are perhaps walking forward because they, they, you brought them to a place where they want to seek you. Because the day of salvation is is today. But God, then there are other sons and daughters that are walking forward saying, man, God, 
you've called me to this place. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that you are good. I'm convinced of your character. I'm convinced that you're calling me to this place. But, but God, you're calling me to, to step out. And that's the scary part. God, I'm praying that today as, as we pray, as we seek your face, that, that God, you would get the glory for what you're going to do. God, we're going to keep praying until you either say no. Or we're, going to, we're going to keep praying until you say yes. We're going to keep praying until you, you, you show us a different direction. But God, for whatever reason, you've brought us to a place. We're convinced enough. We're stepping out and we're trusting you. We, would you please give us the assurance of what we hope for, the conviction of, of what we don't see. God, we know that you're pleased with the faith of your people. So I want to thank you for what we're praying about right now and for what you're going to continue to do. And so God, for what you're going to do in this time that we have here together, we thank you for this and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,